All right. Wow, we are fired up this morning. <laughs> Firing on all cylinders. If I haven't met you, my name is Landon. Uh, I would love to shake your hand after service if I haven't already. I, sometimes I do have sweaty hands, I'll tell you, but it's... Thanks for pointing that out, Rob. <laughs> but I just get fired up. I get excited. Uh, today's one of those mornings I'm really excited about. We're starting a new series that I have been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, it's called I'm Fine, Thanks. Um, and I've had a lot of, a lot of people, uh, not just in Kiwana, but that are like, hey, why did you name it that? So we're going to talk about that real quickly. This is, I believe, and I say this every time we start a series, I believe this is the most important series that we can be talking about right now. Um, there is so much turmoil. We are in a world filled with chaos, and this is one of the subjects that often gets pushed to the back burner. It's one of the things that we just pretend like it's not there, and, and it's... And, the name came from this when you're walking by somebody and they say, hey, how are you? It happened this morning with me two different times with people. They said, hey, I'm fine. And then they came back and they said, actually, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not fine. Because what we do is we put ourselves in this little box and we try and keep silent about what's going on and what we're walking through and what we're feeling. And so we say things like, you know what, I'm fine, thanks. And in reality, we're not. We're not fine. And what I want this place to be and this room to be is a place where we can come and be safe to say, you know what, I'm not fine, but I'm going to be. Right now, I'm not. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not how I want to be. My spirit is heavy. My mind is heavy. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be fine. And that's the point of this series. I don't want us to feel like we have to lie about how we are. Uh, when I was looking up things online about people expressing physically, what does it feel like to have anxiety. Here's one of the, some of the things that came up. I have an inability to imagine a positive future. I can't imagine a positive future. And, and often what happens is we have things in our life that it's like, my life actually is good. I have food. I have a place to stay. I have a vehicle. I have a family that loves me. But I can't imagine a positive future. This is one of the, one of the symptoms, one of the expressions of anxiety. I'm never going to be happy again. I'm worried and I'm nervous, but I'm not sure what for. That sounds familiar. You, just, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, I, have, I don't know what I'm nervous about, but I'm nervous. I don't know what I'm sad about, but I'm sad. Everything is good, actually, but I'm sad. Or everything is bad and I'm sad. The point is, I want us to be able to be honest with where we're at. Because we cannot beat this, we can't even begin to fight this until we're honest with, you know what, I'm not fine, but I'm going to be. There is a silence around mental illness, there's a silence around uh, anxiety and depression, and I want us to break that silence, and let's be open, and let's be honest, and let's be out loud about what we're struggling with. Uh, there is a book that I have several copies of, uh, it's called Anxious for Nothing, it's by Max Licato. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that I would love to give you a copy of this book. Part of it, part of some of the strategies we're going to talk about, you'll find in this book. A lot of it you won't, but it's a really, really good read if you struggle with anxiety. Really, really good. Uh, so I have those in my office. We can talk about it after service. Today's message is entitled Foundation. Uh, we're going to be in three passages of Scripture if you want to throw those up. Psalm 23, Psalm 34, and 2 Kings chapter 6. Today's message is foundation. Um, 
because I believe that, okay, I'm not a home builder. I don't know if you can tell by my, <laughs> you know, me. Uh, I'm not a home builder, but I know some things about home building because of people and just living life. And I know that in order for you to have a firmly built house, you have to have a firmly built foundation. And the same thing is with our faith. I can't fight anything in my faith unless I'm fighting from the right foundation. Unless I know what I believe and I know the firmness of what I believe, I will never be able to fight this. And so today, we're not talking about strategy. We're not talking about how do we do this. That's for later weeks. This week is where do we fight from? What, What are we fighting from? Because we have to have that bottom layer figured out. You know, there's a lot of people in the world, not Christians, non-Christians, Christians alike, that are struggling with anxiety. And I'm telling you, today we're going to talk about the only way, the only way that we can beat our anxiety is by on, being on the same foundation. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. <coughs> Often there's a question that comes up when it comes to anxiety and depression, and that question is, Why? Why is this something that I'm struggling with? Why, God, will you not just take this away? Why am I, why am I having to deal with this? And we think that, like anxiety is something that only other people struggle with. Studies show that in your row right now, there is two to three people that are struggling right now with anxiety or depression or mental illness. Studies show that almost every single person in your row will struggle with it at some point in their life. This is a serious topic. But why? Why does God let us walk through this? You're going to go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 23. I'm fired up this morning. woo All right. I don't even know what that noise was that just came out of my throat. Sorry, y'all had to hear that. Psalms 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We're going to stop right there. We have people in this room that are literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. They are walking through a physical death, somebody in their life, somebody in their family. They're walking through physical grief. And I want to tell you, I'm so happy that you're here this morning. If that's you, I'm so happy that you're here. This is for you. We also have people in this room that are walking through emotional and, and not literal but figurative valleys of the shadow of death. Things that we have going in our life that we feel like that has died and we're walking through it. Our joy. There is times that I feel like my joy has, has died and I'm walking through the valley of that. Peace. Death of a job, death of a relationship, death of finance. There's all these things that we begin to walk through, and it's dark, and it's heavy, and you need somebody to tell you what you're walking through is real, what you're feeling is real. There's too many people out there right now that are saying, just, just code over it, just, just pretend it's not there, you're fine, just fake it. I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> That's not going to get you well. It's not going to get you healthy. We are walking through hard things. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is a confusing sentence to read. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I'm walking through this, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to lose hope. Even though I'm walking through this. 
I want to know, how does he have that faith? Because that's what I want. I want the faith that says, as I'm walking through this and trying to figure this out, I don't want to fear. And the answer is right there in the next verse. For you are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Point number one is who? You are with me. Whatever you're walking through, he's with you. And this is often like something that we say to comfort people, and it really means nothing. I'm going to paint this in a very literal picture for you right now. When someone comes up for prayer, and when you talk to somebody who, you know, your neighbor, your friend, or your coworker, and they just want you to pray with them, and you say something like, I just pray that God will help you. I pray that God's going to help you get through this. And we say this a lot when people struggle with anxiety and depression. I just pray that God's going to help you with your anxiety. I pray that God's going to help you with your depression. Well, here's the reality. God does want to help you. He loves you. But when we say that, it gives kind of a weird picture of God. That I'm just going to pray that he helps you. That, to me, that makes God seem like he's sitting up there with like a checklist. And he's like, okay, as soon as they pray, like the 6,000th time that they pray, I'm going to give them, I'm going to release that anxiety from them. As soon as they pray hard enough or long enough, then they, they're free. I'll, I'll help them after they've prayed enough. I'll help them after they've thought about me enough. I'm going to tell you something. This is not just a spiritual issue. If you were in a sermon, we did a sermon a couple of months ago called Real Struggle, and we talked about anxiety and depression. We're expounding on that a lot. But this is not just a spiritual issue. It's not that you're not spiritual enough. God's not sitting up there and just waiting for you to pray hard enough and pray long enough. He's not. That's not Him. He says, I'm with you. He's not up there waiting to snap His fingers and everything in your life's changed. He's with you. This changes our reality completely, and it changes our prayer life completely. I no longer pray, God, please help me with this. God, please help me find this. Please help me find my peace. I say, God, thank you that right in this mess, you're next to me. Right in this mess, I can look over and you're there. It's not that I'm praying to a far-off deity just waiting for him to come down and release me from this situation. It's, God, you're next to me. You are next to me as we walk through this. It completely changes the way that we pray. It completely changes our reality. In the darkness, He's with me. He's right next to me. When I'm at the grave, He's with me. When I get to the valley, when the doctor's phone call comes in, He's with me. When I hear that news I didn't want to hear, He's with me. When I see that person I didn't want to see, He's with me. In the valley, He is with me. That's how we don't have fear, because we know that He's next to us. It's a complete shift of mind. And if that's not enough, here we go. I'm going to keep reading. Actually, I'm going to go back up. I'm going to be weird today, because I'm just fired up. I'm going to start, like, dancing. All right. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He has a staff. He's our shepherd. He has a staff that guides us, a staff that leads us to where we're supposed to be. And he has a rod. And that rod is used to beat the living daylights out of anything that comes close to me. 
something that's coming up to me, he's not just going to sit and let that wolf eat that sheep. He's going to beat it with the rod. That's our God. And we sit and we have this picture of Jesus like he's just meek and mild. And Jesus was meek. I mean, Jesus was a really great guy. He would, you you want to know him. He was great. But he wasn't just that. He was protective. It says he was our shepherd. And by the way, that means that we are sheep. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is not complimenting you when he's calling you a sheep. When I see a sheep, I'm like, cute, you know, fluffy, be a nice pillow, you know, oh, sheep. That's not what he's thinking. Jesus is thinking, you're so dumb. We're so dumb sometimes. And sheep are so stupid. Sheep is like this. <clears throat> you know, there's that verse in the Bible that says, he leaves the 99 to find the one. There's 99 sheep that look at their situation. They have everything they need. They have grass. They have a shepherd. They have a place to stay. They got friends. And there's that one sheep that's like, hey, and, and leaves. That's why sheep are dumb. <laughs> we, we are dumb sometimes. We are. And Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. Just trust me. I'm going to lead you with this staff, and I'm going to beat things that come at you with this rod. That's our God. While we're walking through the mess, he's leading us, and he's beating things that are coming after us. <coughs> I want to be led. I want to be guided. I want to be made to lie down in green pastures. I want these things. It says he wants to restore my soul. I want that. We all want that. But there's one way that we can get that. And that's by having our foundation being Jesus Christ. He is the one way that we can be led and be guided and have our souls restored. All right, that's number one, the who. Number two is why. I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to read that again. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. He says, I'm going to fill you up so much that you're going to overflow, which sounds very nice. But it also says, surely goodness and love are going to follow you every day for the rest of your life. I want that in my life right now. I want that. When I'm walking down the street, I want to be like, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit down. Shoot me some goodness and some love, Lord. And he says, okay, done. He's going to follow us with goodness and with love all the days of our lives. But here's the answer to why. We just read over it. Why does God let us suffer? Why do we have to face it? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That verse has confused me for so long. I've read that verse, and I'm thinking, what kind of God is that? Actually, this whole chapter, when you actually think about it, if you were God, you would do differently. By the way, we talked about this in pride, when we talked about pride. The first step to know you have pride is when you say, if I'm God. If I was God, I would do this. If I was God, I would do that. I did that this week when I was reading this passage. If I was God, I would do things so much differently. You know, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I would say, you know what? Even though I walk up to the valley of the shadow of death, helicopter comes in, picks me and you both up, we go, we leave. We never have to look at the valley. That's what I'm writing. And it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The way I write that is, you prepare a feast for me way over here while we watch the enemies get zapped. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm writing. Thank you, God, that you're destroying my enemies. That's, that's what I would write if it was me. I'm not God. 
There's a reason that he does this. There is a reason that he wants to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. If I asked you to raise your hands, and I'm not, but if I did, and I said your enemy is anxiety or your enemy is depression, many, many people in this room would raise their hands. Many, many people. Enemies is not just a physical person. You may have physical enemies, people that don't like you, people that talk about you, people that you just can't stand and they can't stand you. You may also have enemies of anxiety, of depression, of fear, of worry. You may have these kind of enemies. And what he says is, I'm going to prepare a table for you and we're going to sit right in the middle of those things and eat. Again, I'm thinking, God, why don't we take this this lovely platter to go, and, and let's go. <laughs> let's go somewhere far away from the enemies and eat. But there is a reason that he says it. He says, we're well, preparing a table for two. You and I are going to sit here. You are with me, table for two in the middle of our enemies. At this time, this is a very desert climate. That's not even an English sentence that I just said. Very desert climate. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. They don't have tables, okay? Like, if, you, if somebody had a table in their house and you were eating at it, you were like royalty, okay? Let alone a table filled with food and drink, all these things. And so he says, I'm going to prepare all that right in the middle. Everyone else is around you. You're surrounded by your enemies, and this is going to be right in the middle of you. If your enemy has depression and anxiety, he's preparing a table for you right in the middle. Why? He wants to show himself to you. He wants to show himself to you. He doesn't want to gloss over what you feel. You know, this isn't even in my notes. I'm about to get fired up. Here we go. Often the reason that we sit and say, I'm fine, thanks, is because we actually don't want to talk about what we're walking through. We want to keep it on the back burner because we're scared of it. I'm scared of facing this. I'm scared of what it means for my life. I don't want to bring it out. I'm scared. And what he says is, bring it out so you can be free. I want you to face it. If I just gloss over it, we can have dinner over here outside of the enemies, but you're still going to hurt because there's no enemies here. You haven't faced what you're, what you're feeling. You haven't faced what you're, what you're walking through. He says, let's face it. Let's bring it out right in the open. Let's not gloss over it. Let's face this thing. But it's not just you. He says, I am with you. You don't have to sit and face this thing alone. You face with him, and he wants to show up and make himself known in your life. He doesn't want to pretend it's not there. He doesn't want to gloss over the hurt. He loves you so much and wants to recognize you're walking through something. God sees what you're walking through. He wouldn't say, we're going to have a feast in the presence of the enemies if he didn't think you had any enemies. He wouldn't say it. He sees that you're walking through something. You need to know what you're feeling is validated. The king of all kings sees what you're feeling and sees what you're walking through, and he wants to fix it. He wants to establish it. He wants to walk through it and fight it and get victory with you. He's with you. Not, you're not doing it by yourself. In the middle of the struggle, you can look across the table and he's there. In the middle of everything, he's there. He's next to you. It may seem like, oh my goodness, I'm completely alone. No, he's right there next to you. And in the middle is where he can show his goodness. And in the middle 
is where you can experience the sweetest victory. I'm going to tell you something about me, something you may not know. I'm a little bit boisterous. I'm a little bit loud. Boisterous, I don't even know what that word means. I may have regretted just saying that. I'm a little, I'm, I'm out there. I'm outspoken. I'm a little bit sarcastic. Hello. I'm all these things, okay? There is people in this world that don't like me. I don't like that y'all laughed at that. <laughs> There's probably people in this room that don't like me. There's people that don't like me, okay? And let me tell you something. If I'm sitting in the presence of the Most High King and we're eating a meal, that meal is so much sweeter when the people that don't like me have to watch. You know what I mean? If I'm sitting and I'm having a steak dinner, steak and potatoes and a roll from Texas Roadhouse and Jesus is across the thing from me and these people have to look and they're saying, the king is eating with him? That's different. <laughs> that food is sweeter. It's better. The victory is better. The goodness of that is better than if there were no enemies. God wants to make himself known to you in what you're walking through. Not separate, right in the middle. He wants to show you his goodness and his faithfulness and his love right in the middle. That's where he can do that. The victory wouldn't be as sweet if it wasn't any enemies. He says, let's do this. Let's solve this. Let's fight this. But let's do it together. I don't want you to do it alone. Let's do it together. 2 Kings 6.16 6, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> 616. It says, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And then if you want to turn to Psalms 34, these two verses go hand in hand. Psalms 34, verse 7. I can't get it turned. There we go. The angel of the Lord encamps those who fear him, and he delivers them. He's saying, the angel of the Lord surrounds those who are with the Lord. Not only are those that are with us greater than those that are against us, not only is our God greater than the ones that are against us, but he says right here, I'm also surrounding those that are against you, and I'm surrounding you. Here's the picture. There's a table right here. Y'all, I don't think that y'all are my enemies, but I'm going to pretend for a second. Okay, if you are, please talk to me. Let's talk it out. There's a table right here. Right here. All these people are against me. Me and Jesus are eating. Some of y'all are laughing over here. Hmm? Me and Jesus are eating. These people are against me. And he says, not only am I with you, I am completely surrounding you with all of these others. I'm completely surrounding you with my presence. That means we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We've already won, but we're fighting for more. We know the end of the story. Our enemies are surrounded. Depression, you may think that I'm surrounded by you, but my God is actually surrounding both of us. I win. We win. We're not fighting to get victory. We already have victory. We're just fighting to walk in 
more victory and more freedom. Our God is bigger and better, but He's also completely surrounding us and surrounding our situation. I may be surrounded by anxiety, but my God has anxiety surrounded. And I'm fighting with Him against something that He's already won. Depression, you may have me surrounded, but my God is surrounding you. I've already won. I know the end of the story. Point number one, who? Point number two, why? Point number three, where? The most beautiful part in this chapter, Psalms 23, going back to it. Most beautiful part. Even though I walk through the valley. Even though I walk through the valley. The victory is guaranteed. The victory over what you're feeling is guaranteed. It is 100% guaranteed through the valley. The king of all kings is with you. He is surrounding you. And you have already won. You will be okay. No, I'm not okay now. I want you to be honest about that. I'm not okay but he doesn't say he's going to drop us off at the entrance of the valley and meet us on the other side. He doesn't say, I'm going, to, I'm going to let you hang out here and I'm going to go somewhere where it's not as dark. He says, we're going through this valley. You're not going through it alone. And you're not going to it. Our God is not a God of to. He's a God of through. We're going through this thing with him. Together, you will get through. The victory is guaranteed. I want you to know, I'm not diminishing the size of the storm that you're walking through. I'm not diminishing that at all. You need to know what you're feeling is legit. You are feeling something real, and it hurts, and it's real pain. And I'm so sorry that you're having to walk through it. I'm not diminishing the size of the storm. I'm magnifying the size of our God. He is so big. I told y'all, I, for some reason, over the last month, the song that has ministered to me the most is a children's nursery rhyme. And I will sing it like in my car, and I'm weeping in my car singing a children's nursery rhyme. I'm in my 20s. I shouldn't be doing that. But my God is so big, and He's so strong, and He's so mighty, and there's nothing He can't do. That's it. That's my God. I'm not saying that your storm is small and that you should get over it and you should gloss over it. I'm saying God is so big and He's so strong and He's so mighty. That's my God. That's your God. There's some stories in the Bible that show that we make it through things. I'm going to tell you these really quickly. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's doing what God asked him to do. He's actually following God's way. And in response, he's thrown into a den with lions and these lions have not eaten in days. And so, basically, guaranteed, he's going to be dead in, like, minutes. Like, he's gone. Every, you won't even see his bones. He's gone. They come check on him a little bit later, and he's, like, literally having a nap with these lions, like, watching Netflix. Nothing. Absolutely nothing is going wrong. They're friends. He's, like, petting. He's tamed these lions. He tames these lions because his God was with him, and they made it through the valley. When I'm Daniel and I'm in the lion's den, I have a little bit of anxiety looking at these lions, literal lions. I'm thinking, okay, this is it. But they got through.
through the valley. They didn't just get to the valley. Paul and Silas are in prison. They've been arrested. Jesus shows up. They make it through. They get through the valley. Noah. Think about Noah. This dude is old. He's lived a long life. And he has never once seen rain in his whole life. Never once seen rain. We think West Texas is dry. He's never seen rain. And God says, you need to build an ark. You need to get this ark ready because there's a flood coming. He gets ridiculed. He, he's an outcast. People are walking by and making fun of him. I mean, there's this kind of thing. Rain comes. Entire earth is wiped out. He made it through because God was with him. He made it through the valley. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these dudes, again, following what God told them to do, they get thrown into a fiery cauldron. And while they're in there, it's so hot that the people that threw them in actually died because it was so hot. That's how hot the thing was. Hours go by. They look back in. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and a person not to be named, meaning Jesus, is in there with them, and they're fine. They're playing checkers sitting in the middle of this thing, and there's four of them, and they made it through. But they made it through because there was another person in there. There was another person walking in the fire with them, hanging in the fire with them. And here's something else beautiful about that story. Again, not in my notes. When they left, it says they didn't, their clothes weren't burnt and they didn't even smell of smoke. No smell of smoke. Smoke stinks. It stinks. You should reek of it. And they don't. When you get through this, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to even reek of mental illness. You're not going to reek of anxiety. You're not going to reek of depression. It's not even going to be on you because how perfectly clean Jesus is going to make you and wipe you. He, so, he loves you so much. He loves you so, so much. Our God is a God of through, not to. I'm going to close with a, with a little story. Um, sorry, I'm running a little bit late. I'm getting fired up. Uh, I want you to picture this. Jim and Mary, I'm going to use y'all as an example because I always do. So let's pretend Jim and Mary are at birthday dinner at Chili's. No? McDonald's. They're at McDonald's. <laughs> okay, Chili's. They're at Chili's. <laughs> The plaza. Yeah, they're at the plaza. They're at the plaza in Lubbock. Okay, so they're sitting there having a beautiful birthday dinner, and then their worst enemy walks in, and I'm going to pretend it's me. I hope it's not, but I walk in. We see each other from across the room, okay? There's this really awkward, like, oh, no. <laughs> Jim looks at me, and he's like, I cannot believe he is here. <laughs> I, he's the last person I want to see right now. And me, the, the enemy in this story, just walks up, and begins to talk. Has anyone ever walked through something like this? How uncomfortably awkward is this situation? And you're sitting there, and you're having birthday dinner, and somebody comes up, and they're talking to you, talking to you. And I just keep talking to Jim, and I keep talking to Jim. And Jim keeps saying, hey, actually, it's Mary's birthday. We're having birthday dinner. And I'm like, oh, happy birthday. Okay, also, and you just keep going. And I keep going, and I'm standing there 10, 15 minutes. I'm going, and Jim keeps saying, actually, we're having birthday dinner. Uh, we're having birthday dinner, so please. And I just keep going and going and going. And finally, I pull out the seat and I sit down and I'm eating chips and hot sauce and, and having sweet tea with them. And it's Mary's birthday dinner. And we're sitting there and I've just shown up. And I'm just eating. I think sometimes at this feast that God prepares for us, we're sitting and we're eating. 
And sometimes we're comfortable when other things or other people decide they want to come and take a seat at this table, and we politely say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm having birthday dinner. And they speak louder, and the voices speak louder, and they get bigger. And I just say, I'm sorry, I'm at, we're having birthday dinner. I'm sorry. I want us to be so fed up with anxiety and depression, we're so ready for it to be done, that I'm sorry, we're having birthday dinner. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> this seat is saved. Jim should have got up and punched my lights out. I want that to be us, that we've gotten so fed up with other people and other situations that are pouring in and making us feel heavier and making us feel more down that we're done with it. And we say, you know what? I'm sorry. This seat is saved. Somebody's already sitting there. It's time to go. Anxiety, it's time to go. Depression, it's time to go. But we've got to be fired up to that point. It's birthday dinner. <laughs> it's time to leave. We're having birthday dinner. There's a few ways of telling when you've let the enemy sit at your table, and I want to tell you that. <coughs> the first one, I'm not good enough. If you believe the lie that says, I'm not good enough, I want to tell you something. The king of all kings looked down at you and thought that you were good enough to lay down his own life. If that doesn't say something, nothing will. The king of all kings looked at you and thought, that's the one. You're, you are good enough. You are good enough. If you've believed a lie that says, I can't get through this, I won't get through this, this is a, this is a big one. I have believed this lie. I can't, I can't possibly get through this. I'm going to tell you something. God is with you, and you have to get through it. There's no other option. He carries you through it. Sometimes I can't even take any more steps. You know what? Sheep, again, sheep literally do this. There are times, I was watching videos this week about sheep, because I'm... <laughs> weird I guess but I was preparing for this sermon I was watching sheep videos and there was these times where the sheep the shepherd's literally standing there and it's like half an inch of water and the sheep are like looking at it like uh no (laughs) I'm no chance I'm walking through that and the shepherd picks that sheep up and walks him he carries he throws him over his shoulder and walks him sometimes you can't even take any more steps and he picks you up and carries you but you get there our God is a God of through not Two, (laughs) through, not to. The third one, life won't get better. Life can't get better. I can't get any happier. This is where I'm going to be stuck forever. The Bible says that Jesus came so that you could have fullness of life, a full life. That's what he wants for you, and he's the only one that can offer it. Full joy, full peace, full hope. That's what he can offer you. Our God is with us. He's surrounding us. He's surrounding those that are against us, and he wants to conquer alongside of us. Again, a couple of months ago, we did a sermon called Real Struggle. We talked about some things. I want to recap those things real quickly. It is not wrong to get help. Jesus, when this, when this man is lowered down into Jesus' room and he begins to heal this paralyzed man, he wasn't mad that people carried that man. Jesus actually ordained it that those people at that time would carry that friend to Jesus. It's not wrong to get help. It's good to get help. Jesus wants you to get help for what you're feeling. That is a good thing. What we're going to do over the next few weeks, again, today was the foundation. Today is where do we fight from? How do we fight? What do we have to believe in order to fight? In the next couple of weeks, we're talking strategy. We're talking how, here's here's practical steps of what does the Bible say about this? How do I do this? How do I fight? How do I not just fight, but how do I win? We don't want to to fight to lose. We want to fight to win. I want to encourage you. 
you want to show up. Again, this is, this is foundational. This is just the basics of Jesus is the one that we need. Next week, we start fighting and we start winning. I want to encourage you to show up. encourage you to invite people that you know that need this. You really don't want to miss. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our shepherd and that you carry us. God, we thank you that there is nothing that we can do without you. God, I just want to confess to you times where I've tried to fight and I've tried to win without you. And I just pray, Lord, I just pray that you would move in my life. You would move in my heart. I pray that you would move in our lives and in our hearts that we would experience you in a new way this week. Lord, I thank you that we fight from victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting for more victory in our life, but that we already have it. I thank you that you've surrounded us and that you've surrounded our enemies and that because of you, we will get through the valley. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.